Thank you. Thank Thanks you, for joining Annie. us. Uh, my, my absolute pleasure. I'm going to hand it over. Thank you. Leaders and Wordmen, thank you very much. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for having me here this morning. And I know what you're probably thinking as I stand up here. What on earth is he wearing? <laughs> and that's a very reasonable question. Um, this is a rather bright jumper. It's hard to miss. Uh, but let me tell you a bit about it and why I've decided to wear it this morning. So as many of you know, I'm currently spending my time working with the Christian group at on the University of Adelaide campus, helping to equip the students there to reach out to their friends with the message of the gospel. Now, near the beginning of the second half of each year, ES, that's the Christian group, puts on an event called Jesus Week. This Jesus Week is a week where we challenge our students to work extra hard on their evangelism. And we do our best to give them the best chance of sharing the gospel with as many of their friends and classmates as possible by doing things like having all 150 of us wear jumpers, bright jumpers like this. Imagine the sight of that walking through the uni campus, seeing crazy bright jumpers on 150 students. We put on public events with experts talking about the relationship between science and faith or the trustworthiness of the Bible or the basics of what we as Christians believe. And each year we have an overarching theme that ties all of these things together. And this year, that theme was life to the full. And I'd love to share with you guys today on this same topic, what it means to have life to the full. And why do I want to share this with you? Well, first of all, I think it's a very relevant topic for us in our culture today. But secondly, I wanted to do this as a way of saying thank you and giving you a little glimpse of the kind of thing that your generous support, both prayerfully and financially, as a church as a whole, but also as individuals, has enabled me to be a part of this year and last year. So let's get to it. One of the ways that we encourage students to start gospel conversations with their friends during Jesus Week this year was to simply ask them what life to the full would look like for them. And there were so many varying answers. Obviously, there were some of the usual suspects from young adults looking to make the most of their life before getting out into the real world. Enough money never to have to work a day in their life. All the alcohol parties and concerts they could ever dream of. Travelling the world, experiencing all it has to offer. So on and so forth. Some others had different ideas. Good grades to make their parents proud. A future that had them working a job they loved and made them feel like they were achieving something coming home to a, their own house, to a happy family. Others said that perfect health, physically, mentally, would be their idea of life to the full. And still others shared that if they could be sure that their life would make a difference, that they would leave some kind of legacy when they were gone, that would satisfy them. And I wonder what it is for you. How would you answer that question? What is your idea of life to the full. Do you relate to any of the answers we got from our uni student friends? Maybe for you it would be having kids or grandkids or great-grandkids. Is it having enough money to spend the rest of your days in luxury or maybe even just comfortably? Would it be life to the full if only those aches and pains would go away or if you didn't have to watch those you love grow old and get sick? 
In the passage we're going to be reading and looking at today, Jesus claims that he came to bring us life to the full. And so given that I'm sure many of us don't feel like we're living life to the full, either one, Jesus failed in his mission, or he had a very different idea of what it means to live life to the full. We're going to start by setting the scene for this conversation, this passage. We'll have a little bit of a think about what Jesus is saying here. And then we'll have a look at the question, life to the full now? Question mark. And then life to the full in the future? Question mark. Then I'll wrap up with some final thoughts. Sound good? Awesome. Uh, Would you join me as in prayer and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we're able to gather to praise you and to learn from your word. I pray that you would speak through me this morning. Uh, would your, the message you have for this congregation come across and would you, would you bless us as we encounter you in your word. Amen. So the passage we're going to be focusing on this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, where Jesus specifically talks about this idea of life to the full. So I'm going to read it out for us, and you'll be able to follow along up on the screen. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now, before we jump into the details, it's good to spend some time thinking about the context of this passage. This comes about halfway through the book of John, and it's not the first time that this idea of life has come up. So if we go back, rewind in our brains to chapter one, we see John introduce the word, who John tells us is Jesus. And then in verse four, he says that in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. As we proceed, we see Jesus, we see his baptism, we see he calls some disciples, and then we get probably the most famous verse in the Bible, 
Jesus is having a chat with Nicodemus, a Pharisee. And what does he say? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Then in the next chapter, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman by a well. They have a bit of a chat. And what does Jesus tell her? If she had asked him, he would have given her living water, which wells up into eternal life. Then, as we proceed, next few chapters, Jesus does miracles. He gives people back their lives. He feeds 5,000. He introduces himself as the bread of life. Life, life, life. Seems to be one of John's favourite themes. And this leads us to our passage that we just read. Jesus, come to bring life to the full. And this chapter starts by making it clear that Jesus is addressing the Pharisees here. They're not on the friendliest terms. And over the last few chapters, they've already had quite a few run-ins. And I find this chapter actually pretty fun because it's one of those moments where we see Jesus actually be quite blunt with the Pharisees. He doesn't pull any punches. And how he does that in this chapter is by talking about something that was all too common in ancient Israel. Sheep and sheep pens. He starts off by making a distinction between good shepherds and bad thieves. And this is something that his audience would have understood, would have agreed with. I'm sure they could probably relate. They would have had experiences with good shepherds and bad thieves. The shepherd, he's the one that comes into the sheep pen by the gate, which is the proper entry. The sheep trust him. But the thief comes in a different way, a wrong way. And the sheep don't trust him. And we see that the Pharisees get pretty confused by this. What are you on about, Jesus? I can imagine them standing there being like, yeah, Jesus, you're right. We know that. We've experienced that. Why are you telling this story? What are you trying to get at? And then it's at this point that Jesus pulls the rug out from under their feet. He says, those who have come before me, that is you guys, you Pharisees, you religious leaders, you are the thieves and the robbers that I was talking about. You come only to kill, steal and destroy. Me, on the other hand, I'm the gate. You guys have all completely failed at your job. And here I am. And I'm claiming to do exactly what you failed to do. I've come to do the opposite of kill, kill, steal and destroy. I've come to bring life. And not just life, but life to the full. If I were a Pharisee, I think that would make me pretty angry. Sure, maybe I do enjoy the honour and prestige of being a religious leader. Maybe I get a little bit wealthy from the people I'm supposed to be serving. Maybe I don't care for them as much as I could, but who does this guy think he is, coming and saying that I'm a thief and a robber? And he can do a better job of it? <laughs> How would he go about doing that, hey? What's this life to the full that he's promising? And I think we actually see Jesus answer that question in the next few verses. And I want to pull out three ways from this passage that Jesus brings us life to the full. These three things are providence, protection, and relationships. I tried really hard to find a third P word, but no matter how long or hard I thought, I just couldn't come up with it. So I'm sorry, but you'll just have to bear with me. So firstly, providence. 
Jesus says in verse 9 that the sheep who follow him, who come in and who go out through him, they will find pasture. They don't have to worry about going hungry. They'll have food. They'll be provided for. Secondly, protection. And we see a few different examples of how Jesus brings protection in this passage. Firstly, he's not a thief or a robber. He's come not to kill and destroy, but to bring life. We also see that he protects the sheep with his life. If anything threatens the sheep, like a wolf, he's not going to run away like a hired hand would, but he'll stay and he'll fight. He'll even die if he needs to. And thirdly, relationships. And we see this in two different ways here. First, relationship with God and Jesus. Jesus says that he knows the sheep and the sheep know him. There's a relationship there that doesn't exist between the sheep and the robbers and the thieves. These sheep, they recognise Jesus' voice and they follow him. They're his sheep. He's their shepherd. But secondly, near the end, we see that there's a relationship formed between different flocks of sheep who are all under the same shepherd. In verse 16, which is still up on the screen there, Jesus talks about the sheep of his that are from another sheep pen. And what are his plans? He plans to bring them together with this flock. And they all become one flock together under him, their one shepherd. I also want to propose that we see these three things, providence, protection, and relationships, show up in another very famous shepherd part of the Bible, Psalm 23. So as I read it out to you and as you follow along on the screen, I want to challenge you to see if you can recognise any of these three themes in Psalm 23. Providence, protection, relationships. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know about you, but if I were a sheep, that would definitely sound like life to the full to me. But did you pick out any of those three themes in Psalm 23? Firstly, providence. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He prepares a table for me. My cup overflows. Goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. This isn't just providence, it's abundance. Two, protection. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And thirdly, relationship. The Lord is my shepherd. I will dwell in the house of God, the house of the Lord, right there with him forever. What an incredible hope that is. 
Well, this would be great if I were a sheep, I hear you say. But what does it mean for me? What does it mean for you? That's a wonderful question. Uh, And now we're going to spend a couple minutes seeing what comfort and encouragement we, who aren't sheep, can take from these passages, both for our lives now, here on earth, but also for our future hope in the house of the Lord forever. So life to the full now. So what does life to the full look like for us now? Can we even experience life to the full, living in such a broken world? If so, how can we expect to experience that? And what can't we expect? I want to start with a resounding yes. Yes, yes, we can experience life to the full now, living in a broken world. It's what Jesus came to bring, right? To bring life to the full for those who follow him. So yes, we can expect to experience God's provision, his protection and relationships in this life. Today, right this very minute, regardless of what else is going on in your life. What exactly does this look like? Well, firstly, God's provision for us today looks like anything from the rain and the sunshine to the food on our tables, to our jobs, to the Holy Spirit living inside of us, giving us wisdom and joy, shaping us to be people who are loving, joyful, peaceful, forbearing, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. Secondly, today God's protection is based on the fact that our enemy, the devil, was defeated when our good shepherd laid down his life for us, his sheep. From that point, from that event, we've been freed from our slavery to sin. We've now been brought in to be a part of Jesus' flock. But Satan can and does still tempt us. He tries to seduce us into rebelling against God. But God has given us his word and his Holy Spirit so that we can fight back. He also promises a way of escape each time we're tempted to sin. Finally, what do relationships look like for us now? Well, firstly, we can have right relationship with God. Again, because of this sacrifice of our good shepherd, Jesus. We've been brought into his flock. We can learn to know his voice. There's no longer a separation between us, but he is our shepherd and we are his sheep. And secondly, we've been adopted into this family, into this flock of believers from all peoples, nations, tribes and tongues. We have a relationship with everyone else who is a believer, who is a follower of Jesus, no matter who they are, no matter where they are. And this is wonderful joy. This is life to the full. But we can't get too carried away just yet. Jesus doesn't promise that all of our desires will come true in this life. He doesn't promise that we'll get to live in luxury, have all the wealth and stuff that we could ever dream of. He doesn't promise to protect us from sickness or ageing or physical death. What he actually says is that those who want to follow him, who want to be part of his flock, They have to take up their crosses daily. He says that suffering and persecution is expected. It's an unavoidable part of being a Christian. 
And I think we can see that and recognise that when we look at the world around us, when we look at our country, the things that have been going on, when we look at our own lives. He doesn't promise that relationships will be easy either. We're still somewhat broken people living in a broken world. Things are going to be hard. But even in the midst of this, we can still have life to the full if we replace our idea of what that means with Jesus' idea. A verse that I think sums up this life to the full now quite nicely is Luke 18, 29 to 30. Let me read it for you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Here Jesus is honest about the fact that in following him, there are going to be sacrifices. There are going to be hardships. Some people leave their homes. Some people leave their families. All for the sake of the kingdom of God. But what does Jesus promise? He promises that even in this age, in this life, they will be abundantly provided for. And on top of that, they even get to experience eternal life in the age to come. And this segues quite nicely into our next section, life to the full in the future. So I love the way that all through John's Gospel, the life that Jesus offers people is for them right now, right then and there, and it changes everything in this lifetime. But this life that he offers is also a foretaste, a movie trailer, a sign that's pointing towards a more perfected life to the full that is in store for all of us who follow Jesus. And there's nowhere in the Bible that this life to the full in the future is described better than in the Bible's last two chapters, Revelation 21 and 22. So I want to have a quick look at how these three themes of provision, protection and relationships feature in this future life to the full. Firstly, provision. In Revelation 22, 21 and 22, we see God create a new heaven, new heavens and a new earth, a perfected heavens and earth filled with abundance. I mean, the city where we're going to live is made of gold. And a lot of those uni students talked about having enough money to live out the rest of their lives in luxury. Not one of them dared to dream or suggest that their life to the full might look like them living in a city made completely of gold and pearls and precious gems. The tree of life that's in this new city bears its fruit every month, not just once a year, but 12 times. What a picture of overabundance. Isn't this life to the full? Secondly, protection. This evil that we see hanging around us today that makes our lives hard, the suffering, the sickness, the death. This is all gone. Revelation 4, Revelation 21.4, which is one of my favourite verses ever, says that God himself will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. 
that looming shadow of death, which is the very opposite to life, has been removed. It's done away with. It's defeated. What can hinder us now from living life to the very full? And thirdly, relationships. Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Do I need to say anything else? Our relationship with God will be perfected. No more will sin or impurity or unholiness separate us from him. No. We will be living and dwelling with him who is life itself forever and ever. Doesn't this picture of life to the full totally amaze you? It totally amazes me. When I reflect on my ideas of life to the full, they absolutely pale in comparison to this. What an incredible hope. What an incredible promise. Now to finish, I'd love to share with you a bit about how I've found Jesus' promise of life to the full so important over the last couple of months. As many of you know, it's been a pretty pretty hard few months for our family. First with Mark, Pop, getting sick and passing away. And then going through the same thing with Grandma, Dad's mum, just a few short weeks later. And all of this is happening at the same time I'm supposed to be sharing how Jesus gives life to the full. If I'm being honest, my idea of life to the full over the last couple of months would definitely not have included all of the stuff that's been going on. But for some reason, that wasn't God's plan. And he's been gracious in teaching me and showing me that it is possible, as we've just seen, to be living life to the full in the midst of some pretty tough stuff. It's not easy. Doesn't make things less sad. Doesn't make things less painful. But he has continued to prove himself as my provider with blessings both big and small. He's continued to prove himself as my protector from the lies and temptations of the enemy. He's continued to prove himself as my God, my comforter, my peace, my father. He hasn't stopped drawing my eyes towards himself and the glorious promise of this perfected life to the full that he's given us and promised us. I'm sure many of you have been through similar tough spots. Maybe you're going through them right now. I'd love to encourage you to cling on to Jesus, to his idea of life to the full, and the promise that he will give it to you. He might not promise you your idea of life to the full, but he promises you something better. He promises to provide for you, to protect you, and to be with you, both now and into eternity. Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our protector, you're our provider, and you're our Father. We thank you 
for the way that Jesus came to bring life to the full so that we might experience all of these good gifts that you have for us, both now and forever. We pray that you would open our eyes to see the blessings that you bless us with every day uh, and keep our eyes fixed on you and the promise of life to the full with you both now and forever. And we ask this for our good and for your glory. Amen.